Welcome to this exciting series on Proverbs, the voice of wisdom. The book of Proverbs has been read and treasured by millions of believers for hundreds of years. There is so much wisdom to be found in this amazing book. In this series, Pastor Tim Brooks and Paul Kern will be sharing concepts of wisdom that will equip you to share in this life of victory God has for you. Now, join Pastor Tim Brooks for this message on Proverbs, the voice of wisdom. We're living in what will be called the beginnings of the information age. When you begin to think about the vast amount of information that wasn't even available 25 years ago and is now instantly at fingertips, it's amazing. You know, for some 6,000 years of man's history, folks lived and died 25 miles of their birthplace. And all of them, and no phone, no TV, no internet, no, maybe one or two books, no information about really anything. What you saw was the back end of the mule you were plowing with. Uh, what you learned was what you could see from nature sitting on your front porch. Uh, but it, it's, it, it still boggles my mind. I, I'm talking to my son-in-law just today, and he was talking about fixing some hydraulic lift on a tractor. And he said, well, I can just... Google that and it'll walk me through how to fix that. On that particular brand, on that particular thing, you can just get information on how, how to do it, it, anything that you want to do with just a couple of button pushes. You can, you can be walked through that. The information is it's staggering. Yet, without a doubt, this is the least amount of wisdom any generation has ever, ever walked in. All the way back to caveman. You're, I'm, I'm floored at the lack of wisdom that I see on a daily basis. And I wish I could say it was only in teenagers. But it's only in every age that we're living in. My goodness, the lack of wisdom with all of the knowledge, with all of the brilliance, with all of the instant information that we have access to, the, the decisions that adults, that moms, that dads are making, buying things that you clearly can't afford, spending money that you don't have and are not going to have, jumping into lifelong commitments without really even thinking that all the way through before you get into it, Borrowing money and living on credit cards. I use credit card every day. But when the bill comes, I pay it completely off in full. And when I swipe the card, there's money in my checking account to pay for that before I swipe it. I would never swipe a card at 18 or 21% interest knowing that I didn't have the money to pay it. And then you send them the minimum amount due while the interest is compounding at an 18% rate, I, I don't even know what we're thinking. Why would you do something like that? We are living in self-created, self-dug holes. And about 109% of the problems were self-caused. I mean, self-dug holes just... I'm, I'm looking for a kinder word than just dumb or stupid... But I'm having a hard time coming up with a kinder word. But that's where we are today. Just pure deal dumb. No wisdom. 
yet information like no, inter, no generation could ever even fathom having. Here's the problem. Here's the problem with computers. They can store data, they obey signals, and they can pull up information at mind-boggling speeds, but it does not give you the ability to use that knowledge wisely. That, that, and that, we're dependent on computers for everything, and the problem is computers don't give you the wisdom to use that information it just gave you. I can't think of a better thing than we could do would be to roll up our sleeves and study wisdom. And the book of Proverbs is about godly wisdom and how to get some of it. And like no other time in the history of the world, are we in desperate need of godly wisdom. Paul already shared with you, and he and I are going to be team teaching this, and as we've kind of shared a little bit back and forth, um, right before y'all got here, we were just talking about how excited we are about this. Paul's already into his second or third lesson down. He, he can't even stop with the first lesson and get the next one. Get the, we just get into this and get very excited about it. We're going to see and learn not get rich quick schemes or formulas, but we're going to learn priorities and principles that build a consistent, stable, satisfying life. And that's what we're missing. Even with, with making lots of money, people make lots of money, but they don't make a satisfying life. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. I've read this countless times, and I came across it here several months ago, and it, it so affected me that I, um, I, I did a Sunday morning sermon on this one verse. Uh, some of you were awake for that. You might remember it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And, and when you, you see God saying that getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do, I knew when I preached that Sunday morning sermon that wasn't enough. We're going to have to spend several months getting wisdom here as our theme is growing stronger and stronger. We can't get stronger and stronger without using some wisdom. You just got to walk in some wisdom. And, and the number one place I know to get wisdom would be a study of the book of Proverbs. Before we just dive into this study, before we dive into all that we're going to, and I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles, bring your piece of paper, bring you just a little notepad just to write down a thought as we're going to be talking. But before I look at any book, I want to know something about the author. I want to read the prefix. I want to look at chapter titles. I want to look at endorsements of the book. I want to read some of the main points. I want to familiarize myself with what it is we're going to be studying. And that's what I want to do in this first lesson. We're not going to dive into a study of Proverbs, but we're going to talk about what it is that we're going to be learning. Obviously, the first word that sticks out when you mention Proverbs is the word wisdom. The word wise, the word wisdom, is used 125 times in these 31 chapters. It clearly is the object of this book. And the object of that book is to help us gain wisdom and apply it to our daily life. Proverbs deals with life's daily problems. 
in a very practical manner. And, and as a Christian who lives by faith, who believes and trusts God, we can't check our minds out. Uh, there, there is no sense in taking a shower and not completely drying off and sleeping in front of a fan and believing God for healing. You're going to wake up with a runny nose. I mean, you know, we, as we are living by faith and trust in God, when your gas gauge gets below three quarters of a tank, stop and put some in it. Never let your needle pass that last quarter and you won't ever run out. Oh, God, I'm just trusting you. I'm trusting you. What you're going to do is walk. That's what you're going to do. And, and we, we confuse living by faith with the practical application of wisdom in our life. Proverbs deals with life's daily problems and the application of wisdom in those daily problems. The Lord expects us to use our minds. Had He not expected us to use our minds and to walk in wisdom, then He wouldn't have given us a mind to do so. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven tells us, you love the Lord with your mind as well as your heart. Love the Lord with all of your heart. But then stop there. You love the Lord with your mind as well. And our mind is a part of this. And, and what has plagued spirit-filled Christians is stupidity. Uh, excuse me, faith that they call faith. And we can't, we can't confuse faith and stupidity. We're going to have to walk in wisdom as we live a life of faith. As we trust God, believe God, as we depend totally on God for all of our needs, we're going to have to work hard and walk in wisdom. And the church has just had a hard time blending those two thoughts when we read about wisdom, wisdom is an important commodity all the way from early times. Every ruler that we have historical access to, all through the rulers of the Bible that we have historical access to, you will find that they surrounded themselves with wise men. You'll, you'll, every, every ruler finds wise men. We read about wise men all throughout the Bible. Joseph was considered wise in Egypt. Daniel and his friends were honored for the wisdom that they gave to Babylon. Ephesians 5.15, God wants his children walking not as fools, but as wise. You remember the first to bring gifts to Jesus were wise men. So wise men have been a part of history and something that God looked for as a vital direction for his people. So it's not enough to be educated. It's not enough to have lots of knowledge. We got to have wisdom. And we're in a generation that is graduating students with two and three doctorate degrees with zilcho wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to use the knowledge that you have. And this generation, like no other generation, has more knowledge than all the other generations put together, but we have less of ability to use what we know to produce a satisfying, happy, contented, joy-filled life. 
Wise people have the ability to grasp the meaning of what's going on. Terry and I talk about this all the time. We're in a conversation with people and they leave and then I hear what they said about that conversation and they missed the whole point. That wasn't even what was said. Wise people have the ability to grasp what is said and grasp what is going on. Unwise people, they don't get what we were talking about. Wise people have the ability to make right decisions at the right time. Oftentimes, in all of our lives, we've made the wrong, right decision just at the wrong time. That would have been good six months ago. That would have been good a year ago. Since we studied the Bible on what is wise, we see that wisdom, and real wisdom, begins with a right relationship with the Lord. Paul will be talking about that throughout his turn up here. I'll be talking about that each and every time I'm here. Real wisdom begins with a right relationship with God. Uh, the Bible teaches us, and we will look at Scripture throughout the Bible. A wise person believes there is a God. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. A wise person believes there is a God. The wise person believes that he is the creator and the ruler. The wise person believes that God has put within his creation a divine order that if that order is obeyed and lived with will produce success. Wise people believe there is a moral law. Wise people believe there is a right and a wrong that don't change. Fools believe that there is no moral right and wrong, that everybody decides to do what is right in their own eyes. See, a wise person understands there is a moral law. A wise person believes in principles and the principle of justice. And the wise person understands that eventually wicked are judged and the righteous are blessed. A wise person understands that. See, wisdom is not theoretical. Wisdom is very practical. Wisdom affects every area of our life. Wisdom gives purpose to life. When you find somebody that doesn't have any wisdom, they don't have a lot of purpose for life. And you can watch that. History is full of people who were brilliant, gifted, talented, but not wise enough to create a successful, satisfying life. And that's what it's all about. Creating a life. And I was talking to a young person just two weeks ago. Talking about, you know, we, he was talking about making a living. I'm going to get out and make a living. I'm getting out to make a living. He was telling about the jobs. He's going to make a living, make a living. Make. I said, let me, let me tell you something. Life is not about making a living. It's about creating a life. Where you live. The street you choose to live on. The place that you choose to work. What you need to know is that's going to create a life for the kids that are going to grow up. Their neighbors, their street, their community. You, you create a life. And if you move to New York City and you raise your children there, they will be different than if you move to Hot Springs, Arkansas and raise your children there. 
I'm just telling you, it's not about making money. It's about creating and building a life. Now, we got to make money. We got to pay bills. But it's not making money, making money, and I'm just moving to wherever I can make the money. What I've got to look at is what is the life that I'm building that I want to live? The life that I want to live. And it never, and I guess I will never cease to be amazed because I'm amazed at the athletes that, that we read about making $10 million a year for four, five, or six years and then in a year after they retire or bankrupt, broke, in jail, up on drug charges or shot themselves. Or, I, 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 I don't, how could you possibly run through all of that? You, you see movie stars or musicians or singers, million, you know, millions that I can't even fathom that kind of millions. And their miserable existence is a tabloid expo. Their life is nothing but a miserable existence. It's, it's, it's one thing to make money, but it's, a, it's another thing for you to build a happy, satisfying, joy-filled life. And that's what it is we've got to focus on, and that only comes through wisdom. Real quick, King Solomon, the major author of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 1, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son. Chapter 10, verse 1, these are the Proverbs of Solomon. God gave Solomon great wisdom. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. The night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I'll give it to you. I don't know if you ever think about that. I think about it all the time. God just woke you up and said, Whatever you want, I'm fixing to give it to you. Just ask. Man, I need a new truck. I mean, what, what starts running through your head? Uh, an, an, a new motorcycle or some new clothes or a nice pair of boots? I mean, God says, I'm going to give you anything you want. Just l- let her rip. Solomon replied, well, you showed great faithfulness and love to my father David. And, and now you've made me king and said, my father, I, I don't, you know, I'm just so grateful to you. And, and verse 9, give me... Give me wisdom to govern your people. Verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. The Lord was so pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I'm going to give you what you ask for and then I'm going to also give you all this other stuff too. So God gives Solomon great wisdom because that's what he asked for. Now, back to Proverbs. Others were involved in writing Proverbs. And I'm real quick, I don't have time to look at all of this. Chapter 25, verse 1. The men of Hezekiah, a group of scholars in 700 B.C., compiled the material that's in chapter 25 through chapter 29. It says in chapter 25, verse 1, the men of Hezekiah. Chapter 30, verse 1 was written by Agur, who was the son of Jacob. He wrote chapter 30. Chapter 31, 
If you look in chapter 31, verse 1, it was written by King Lemuel. Now, just a side note, many scholars believe that was a nickname or another name for Solomon. So whether Solomon wrote chapter 31 or King Lemuel did or both of those were the same. But we do know there were some other contributors besides Solomon in Proverbs, but the vast majority of Proverbs was written by Solomon. Let me look, let's look at this real quick because this is important. Go back to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 11. Solomon. And, and we're going to read and study the wisdom that he wrote. It's just amazing the, the God-given wisdom that Solomon walked in. And then in chapter 11, we read about Solomon. In order to achieve personal goals, he allied himself with other nations that God told him not to do. He married women that God told him not to marry. In other words, you can read it. Well, I was going to take time, but I'm not going to read it. Here's what's sad. Solomon did not live up to the wisdom that he wrote. And we see his unraveling, not because he didn't have wisdom, because clearly he did. We're going to study it. We see Solomon unraveling because he didn't live up to what he knew. And and that's a key for us. We're going to talk about that in this series. Because here we are in church. Y'all are God people. I mean, we're reading the Bible. You came here for a Bible study. I mean, you're in Christian schools. You guys are in Teen Challenge. You're in chapel service every day. You're learning Bible study every day. I mean, we're in church every time the door is open. Your Wednesday night crowd, that's your real group here now. I mean, we're hard after God. It, our problem is not living up to what we know. And, and we've got to, the, the most valuable lesson that I want to see in this study is the great wisdom that Solomon wrote, but then how he turned from the wisdom that he knew and went out and did exactly what he told other people not to do. And that is the unraveling of so many people. They knew better. You should have never got involved in that. You should have never done that. You've taught about that. You've told your kids don't do that. You've preached against that. That's been a soapbox. And he went right out and did what you knew better than. And now your life is unraveling. It's a theme for us. Proverbs is short statements. That, that in a few choice words... Develop practical truths that will create an unbelievable life for you. A novelist wrote, defining Proverbs, a short sentence based on long experience. The Hebrew translation for the word proverb, the Hebrew word when you translate that word proverb is comparison. Comparison. Let's just look at a few scriptures. Because many, go to chapter 11. Many of Solomon's writings that we're going to read are comparisons or what you might call a contrast. Chapter 11, verse 22. Let's just thumb through here. A beautiful woman 
who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's nose. See, it's a, a, a beautiful woman that lacks discretion. Okay, let me give you this comparison. Is a ring in a pig's snout. Chapter 15, verse 16. Better to have little with fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than a steak with someone who you hate. See, you, you see the comparison here as he's teaching us a principle. Chapter uh, 16, verse 19. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share the plunder with the proud. I'm not very smart, but I can get that. Verse 32. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a whole city. Chapter 17, verse 1. Better a dry crust eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting and conflict. See, just, just a short sentence that compares and teaches you a lesson. Chapter 19, verse 1. Better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and a fool. Chapter 25. I'm just showing you how Proverbs uses contrast and comparisons, and we're going to study these. Good news from far away is like cold water to the thirsty. Chapter 26, verse 6. Trusting a fool to convey a message is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. A proverb in the mouth of the fool is as useless as a paralyzed leg. Honoring a fool is as foolish as tying your stone to the slingshot. A proverb in the mouth of the fool is like a thorny branch banished by a drunk. We're going to see these short sayings. Proverbs is a book of godly wisdom. The word P-R-O means short saying, by the way. Proverbs, and, and I read this years ago as I was studying Proverbs. An author that I was reading about Proverbs, he wrote, Proverbs is the Ten Commandments in shoe leather. And it really is. I mean, this is the nuts in the... Here's how you walk out the Ten Commandments in our daily life. Most of Proverbs, as we're looking at, uses parallelisms. Chapter 10, verse 4. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. See, two lines that call our attention to the activity. And because Proverbs is written in these just little short sayings that really stand alone, it's not a long, long thought. It's just a one sentence. We're going to study this not in a verse-by-verse study. What we're going to do is group thoughts together and study this in groups of topics and sections because they're scattered and woven throughout Proverbs in these little short sayings. All Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture is profitable for teaching, 
correcting, instruction, righteousness. All Scripture is given by God to teach us, to correct us. And, and here is, and we talked about this a couple of Sundays ago. It amazes me the divine inspiration in writing every word found in Scripture. Let me just give you some man-made proverbs. Look before you leap. How many's ever heard that? Look before you leap. How many's heard this? He who hesitates is lost. Look before you leap. If you hesitate, you're lost. <laughs> study long, you study wrong. Look before you leap. See, we've got man-made proverbs contradict each other. Many hands make light work. How many's heard that? How many's heard this? Too many cooks spoil the broth. Uh, okay, do I get a lot of help or do I not want any help? See, you, you've got proverbs that man has come up with and man has written, and they are in direct contradiction to each other. Are you ready for this? We're going to see 31 chapters of proverbs and not one contradiction. In all of these little sentences, they all flow together. And that's mind-boggling. Because if man was going to sit down and write Proverbs, then you're going to get all kinds of conflicting reports that are direct opposite of each other. We will not see a proverb that contradicts any other proverb written. We're talking, the only way you pull that off is divine inspiration in the penning of this book. All of them are consistent with each other. You know, why did Solomon write like this? Probably the most practical reason is that at that time, people didn't own a lot of books. There weren't copy machines. Every book had to be handwritten and hand-penned and hand-copied. And so when you start copying pages and pages, we're talking about hours of work. When you can simply say, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit goes before fall. There's you a 10-volume book right there. You can memorize that, and you can think about that for the rest of your life. See, in just one statement, Solomon was able to write an entire book. And that's what we're going to look at, these nuggets. And it's because of these nuggets that are found in Proverbs that I really encourage the daily reading of Proverbs. And just uh, if, if you've never done this, or if you're not aware of this, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. And so on June 7th, read chapter 7. On June 8th, read chapter 8. On June 9th, read chapter 9. And you can chew on that chapter. It'll give you enough to chew on all day long. You read that chapter every morning before you leave. And then when you get to the 31 days of the month, just flip back and start over again because there's something you hadn't mastered, I can assure you. Truths that we're going to find in Proverbs. And here's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to see truths about acquiring wealth, making friends, keeping friends, building happy homes, husband and wife relationship, parent and kid relationship, avoiding temptation, avoiding trouble, controlling feelings, controlling our tongue, building godly character. Our study of Proverbs is going to teach us to gain wisdom in all of these practical areas of our life. If you're taking notes, let me give you a quick three-part outline of Proverbs. Chapter 1 through chapter 9 is wisdom and folly illustrated by two women. 
Wisdom and Folly, illustrated by two women. Chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the street. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds among the main street. To those gathered in front of the city gate. How long will you simpletons, how long will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I will share my heart with you and I will make you wise. I called to you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid me no attention. We're going to see. Go to chapter 9. Just look at this. Chapter 1 through chapter 9. Chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She's carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed with wines and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone. She, when you read the word she in Proverbs, always insert the word wisdom. Always insert the, the Hebrew word for wisdom is written in the feminine gender. The Hebrew word for wisdom is written in Hebrew in the feminine gender. So when, they, when Proverbs uses the word she, it's talking about wisdom. She cries aloud. She calls out. She is wisdom. Wisdom cries out. Wisdom calls out. So as you read the word she, you can insert the word wisdom. All right, second part. Chapter 10 through chapter 15. I love this section. It's a series of contrasts between the life of wisdom and the life of stupidity. Chapter 12, verse 1. To learn, you must love discipline. It's stupid to hate correction. Why do you hate correction? I don't want nobody telling me what to do. Why do you hate somebody correcting you? You should love correction so that you don't continue to repeat that same mistake. See, it's stupid to hate correction. Chapter 10 through chapter 15 is a comparison. Chapter 13, a wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen to correction. And in the third section, we're going to see chapter 16 through chapter 31. It's just simple counsel about various areas of life. And that's what we're going to look at in these three sections. Wisdom and you'll see this comparison. Wisdom and folly, some of your translations use the word folly, or wisdom and stupidity, some of your translations use the word stupid. Wisdom and stupidity want to control you. You decide which one. You decide which one is going to control you. There are seven words that appear over and over and over in Proverbs and wisdom is defined by these seven words. Instruction, understanding, prudence, knowledge, discretion, learning, counsel. And these seven words defined wisdom. Let me quickly finish. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. All that we're going to see in Proverbs, you see in Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is in Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus lie all the treasures of wisdom. In Scripture, 
And, and I need to teach on this. I haven't done so in a long time. And, 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 and you run into problems. In Scripture, there are promises and there are principles. And you cannot confuse those two. And a lot of people confuse promises and principles. And when you do, you will get in trouble in the Word. Proverbs gives us principles, not promises. Principles. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. That is a principle. Learn it. What is it? The importance of friends. But it's not a promise because we know a lot of friends that have turned and twisted off on us. They hadn't loved at all times. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath. That's a principle. Learn the principle. The importance of giving a soft answer. Soft answer turns away wrath. That's not a promise. Jesus gave a soft answer and he got crucified. So that's not a promise. That is a principle that you need to learn. And we get in trouble in Scripture when you confuse promises that you stand on and principles that you learn and benefit from them. We got to understand that Proverbs is a book of principles. A quote I read years and years ago, and I've always remembered this. Proverbs is the hard candy of the Bible. Not to be chewed up quickly and swallowed, but to be turned over and over in your mouth, savoring its sweetness. Proverbs is the hard candy of the Bible. We're just going to turn it over and over in our mouth. And we're going to grow stronger and stronger as a result of this study. Because the one thing that we lack is not information. We got it. What we lack is wisdom. The Bible talks a whole lot about life to come. And about our choice to live in eternity in heaven and hell. The Bible talks a lot about heaven and hell. Proverbs has nothing to say about the next life. Proverbs is guidelines and principles that make this life work. I'm really looking forward to this study. Y'all stand. Lord, as we open your word in these coming 12 weeks, we ask the anointing the power of the Holy Spirit not to give us a bunch of knowledge, but Lord, give us wisdom that we can act wisely. Direct and guide us as we walk in a humble, in a reverence, and in awe of fear of you. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message on Proverbs. CMC has so much to offer. We host men's and women's conferences each year, summer camps for all ages, a Christian school K-4 through 12th grade, youth conferences, a college-age internship, and much more. Go to cmchurch.com for more information about all the great things CMC has for you.